This is Agents Influence Podcast. Where independent agents win is in the personal connection. So that leads me to the other topic, trust and differentiation. Over 50% of these people that are surveyed said, we believe that the brands we do business with should be involved in a social cause that is not benefiting their company directly. In other words, they should be caring about their local community. So I look at that and I say, okay, wow, here's another huge win for independent agencies. I'm Jason Cass and we're going to help you think differently. Change your agency change your finances, change your family, and in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. Hey, 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 welcome everybody to Agents Influence Podcast, conversations with Jason Cass, that's me. And today I have a guest who's been on a couple times. It's been a while. We'll discuss that. His name is Chuck Blondino uh, with Safeco. How are you doing, sir? Jason, I'm doing great. So good to be with you again. Yeah, it was. And I, I was looking, so it was 2015 and then 2017. Wow. Is, yeah. Yeah. And so we missed last year to do it every two years. So it was uh um, I think this is good, and I really appreciate it. So, Chuck, why don't you tell us exactly what your role is right now at Safeco? Yeah, so my title is Director of Agency Capabilities and Programs. I am in a really rare group among carriers where I've got a team of a dozen, and our only job is to help agents grow. So I've, I've been a commercial underwriter, a territory manager, a region manager, workers' compensation underwriting manager, uh, uh, manager for or marketing director over personal lines, as well as then stepping into this role. <clears throat> but every job that I've had has gotten me closer to working with agents, to listening with the, to agents, to sharing what other agents are doing to grow and I think if I could transition to one other point, Jason, I think one of the things that I look at that to me is really important is back when when it was 2005 and the Yellow Pages died, it's like agents really didn't know what to do to grow. And today, there are so many different ways to make it happen, so many ways to achieve success that, that to get stuck, it's almost a choice. Oh, it's absolutely a good point. It is a choice, right? So much opportunity. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 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 And, and whether you're head down working in the agency, there's tons of opportunity. If you're trying to create different training programs, there's so much opportunity and so many resources. If you're trying to um, work on another hobby, that's a beautiful thing that this industry allows, but one of the things I want to talk about, because you used to do a study, and I don't think it's your job anymore to do it, but it was around 900 agents. You still do it. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I want to let you loyal listeners know, if you go back, I believe it was in February of 2015, um, he gave us some results of this study, and then he did it in 2017, and I guarantee you those results are still very relevant. And, and it really is mind-blowing when you look at what these agencies are doing because, loyal listeners, you have to remember if another agent is doing it or if a large amount of agents are doing it, there's a, a very good chance that you are. 
And, and it's, and, and so we got to look at our agency sometime and inspect them. But Chuck, before we get onto that, the listeners sure. want to know, are you an iPhone or are you a Droid user? <laughs> since your first call, uh, I'm still an iPhone user. I'm probably on my third one since that time, but yeah, still yeah. an iPhone. So a third one, you, you like when the new ones come out. I'm the same way on the Droid, so. Yeah. All right. And then it's either you like the new ones that come out or your grandchildren have thrown it in the toilet a couple of times. So it's, it's one of those is the reason why we get new phones. Okay. And so are you, this is a question we didn't ask back then. Do you love to win or do you hate to lose? Oh, uh, you know, I really liked your question and I've <laughs> getting to hear uh, Kelly Donahue Piro with you and, and uh, our friend, Chris Paradiso. <laughs> and, and hearing how they've kind of really thought through that, this is an amazing question. Here's my deal. I guess I, I look at this as it's it, uh, the independent. I, I, I'm really weird, Jason. I don't think as an individual, I, the thing that motivates me is moving the independent agent channel forward. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I am totally driven by the opportunity to win and seeing successes. So whereas I think I feel like the independent agent channel has fallen about as far as they can uh, and they, we've lost about as much as we can in market share. And my greatest desire is to see that market share for independent agents go back up. And so, so I, I guess as I look at that, I, I would say totally motivated by the win. Totally motivated by the win. What is our uh, an industry standard? What is our market share compared to the directs and captives? Yeah, the market share for independent agents hasn't moved in a decade more than one point in personal lines or commercial lines. 32%, 30% on personal it's, lines? It's right about 30% on personal lines and right about 76%. 76% if you look at AM Best, uh, some other companies say it's somewhere around 85% in commercial, but but I, I use AM Best on both, so 76 on on commercial. Fantastic, okay. But, but it's been there for a year, for uh, sorry, for a decade. So you right, you so were a prior business owner before you joined. I remember that, and then you <laughs> yeah. and then you became you know slowly rose to the ranks of who you are now. But what has led you here, skill or luck? Man, I don't know which of those hard work falls into. Mm, good but, one. But but I guess I I was lucky mm, to get in. I, like I, I think the luckiest thing I got into was that uh, I was a I was a bellman at a hotel really and carrying the bags uh, of a guy and every time I, I was doing this while I was in while I was in college and every time I carried the bags to somebody's hotel room I would ask them you know what do you do and a lot of guys would say I'm in marketing and <laughs> it's like do you enjoy it and it's like yeah yeah and the, but a a common comment was more common than I would have expected. I'm not sure it was worth the divorce, but, uh, but you know, it's great. so these guys are on the road all the time. Right. And it's like, I don't think I want to be on the road all the time. Mm -hmm. And then I, then I met, I got lucky and met the president of a company called rainbow international, which is a carpet dyeing and cleaning franchise company. And he he had formerly um, the, the gentleman Don Dwyer has passed away now, but he was formerly an executive VP of uh, the Dyn of 
Paul J. Myers uh, uh, Dynamics of Goal Setting uh, Company. And uh, just it was all about personal growth and listening to tapes and self-motivation. And, you know, you're getting brain uh, uh, brainwashed one way or the other. Either somebody's doing it to you or you're doing it to yourself. So start listening to these motivational tapes at a half hour every morning. And, you know, that that as a young person, mm-hmm. that was lucky. That True. was lucky. But 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 then it goes all to hard work. Yeah, I like that because no one has really said that. I think they've wanted to say it, but no one has actually used the word hard, hard, uh, hard work. And and I think that that's important because through your skill, you have to work hard to get that. But then through but then you just got to be out there working hard for lucky stuff. It seems as if the harder I work, the luckier I get. And they say they say Henry Ford said it, but who who knows? You know, there's so many of these quotes we pin people on. You really think to yourself, (laughs) like, did they really say this? Was this Mark Twain guy this smart? You know, so, so anyways, so, yeah. so that's good to know. And so let's move on. Uh, give us a little bit of that story from that bellman to forward to who you are today. Well, I mean, when I say it's a, when I say growth is a choice, Jason, I am not discounting the fact that people get into business and they get swamped that is in, in the world of, of owning a, an independent agency, you start you open the doors no, with, a, with a dream, right? And I'm, I'm going to get back to my business, but you open your doors with a dream of financial freedom, some free time on your hands, mm-hmm. uh, getting to spend time with your family. And, and where can you do it? But in an independent agency, which I believe offers the absolute best opportunity for someone, uh, for, for, for any customer to purchase insurance with ease, choice, and advice, with getting to know the person you're purchasing from, which you can never do with the directs, and to have a relationship with that person for the next 20 years. Uh, it's just, you don't get that from the direct world. You don't get choice from the exclusive or captive world. So it, we're, we're just a better way of buying insurance. Now, from a carrier, I'm a carrier guy. That means I have to earn your business every day. But for the customer, I still think it's the best way to do it. So if, you, if, I'm a, if I'm a person starting my business, I think there's opportunities as an independent agent. And then I get started and I've got this 88% retention rate and that's fantastic. But man, I start finding that I've got a lot of service work. I've got to learn about all these different companies and all the, all the carriers and all the lines of businesses. And and, I, and then you got the, the claims and the daily chaos and you you have to you you it, you're you're so swamped that without the opportunity to multiply yourself to to you start to feel like I'm so busy that I can't grow I'm so busy I can't do what I need to do which is exactly the time you need to as soon as you use the words I'm too busy to dot 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 you've got to hire somebody right. You've got to hire people to help because that's where the multiplication comes in, mm-hmm. right? So now I'm going to take you back to you, to your question you asked about well, a little bit more of that story. I leave Seattle and I land to open my franchise in Salt Lake City, Utah, where I don't know a single soul, nor do I understand when someone asks me the question – I, I'm 20, 20 years old when I start my business. I'm almost 21. I've got the shortest haircut I've ever had, and I look like I've come back from a mission. And uh, somebody <laughs> asks me if I'm LDS, and I say, what does that mean? And they say, oh, nothing. Don't worry about it. 
And and then I, I start to learn about the Mormon culture. And my goodness, what a wonderful family-oriented group of people. And I lived there two years as I build my business. But as I build my business, I have at home a TV, an apple crate to set it on, a pillow for the floor, and a waterbed. I have no table. I have no couch. Wow. I have nothing to my name. Wow. And I'm knocking on doors. I'm smiling and dialing. I'm spraying and praying. I need residential business because I get checks and cash. Commercial business is going to pay me in three months. I can't afford to write that right now. And so you get started. And within 18 months, Jason, the, the, this is why, I mean, sometimes I think it's simple, but I know that it's hard. I, I, it may sound like I talk like it's simple, the act of multiplying yourself, but but I know the challenges and I had six trucks an eight person phone room and an office manager in 18 wow. months. And so, and, and, but I had no personal life. I mean, I did get married during that time, but I had no personal life. I was working 70 hours a week. I was working during the day and then I was on the phones in the phone room in the evenings. It's like, and so, so I get what that takes, but man, that, that, after two years, I was ready to sell it. And then I go to the home office and I sell franchises and, and I, I'm on a hundred percent commission and, and, uh, wow. And then I move into being a, uh, a marketing director and I finally found my joy. I found my love, which is helping other people build their businesses was way more exciting, way more important, a, a much bigger challenge for me personally. That's why I say I'm really weird. I'm just, I'm just different. I'm wired different. My joy comes from watching other people be successful. And especially when I can get as many people like Chris Paradiso, Jason Cass, Claudia McLean, uh, Patty Lares, Mike Stromso, and, and dozens and dozens Good of people. others to say, here's how we did it. Can I, can't I, look, I don't want to share your secret. If you're, if you've got a tie into some association that you don't want anybody else to know about, cause that's your in and you've got a niche. I'm not going to tell anybody about that. Otherwise I blow my credibility, right? I don't get anybody to ever share with me again. So through these studies, through these anonymous surveys, we get people that are willing to share. Not everybody is, but among those who are, we get some fantastic information. And that's why I say we know what's proven to grow. But it, but, but it takes hard work. It takes multiplying yourself. There's a lot of interesting factors that fly into all that. So I got a couple of things here, Chuck. So we're going to get, we're going to get real here because I want to ask you a question. <laughs> I've got two questions here that I've pulled out of what you talked about. One is if Go you're too, it. if you're too busy, then you need to hire. Um, I want to talk about that because I think that is true as can be, but the way the agent acts after that hire is 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 hired that takes place i think that's what i want to talk about but before i do i want to ask you a question here of something you said and i want to get your reasoning why because i, I i'm interested you said as a carrier we have to earn your business every day absolutely i do not agree with that chuck i do not <laughs> think i do okay. not in a true partnership you should not have to do that. My wife, I don't have to reconfirm how much I love her or why this partnership works every day. Now, now, <laughs> yeah, but you don't have seven wives, Jason. <laughs> 
if you had if you had seven wives, that wife, one, each one of them would have to to be battling for your business every day. Okay, 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 okay. So you're saying that okay, I that's why I brought this up. So you're saying as an industry as a whole, we have to be reconfirming that because there's things going on. I was thinking as an agent, like what Safeco is in my office, they do not have to re- try to battle for my business every day. And and because do I get every. I'm sorry. No, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you do not. But that's okay because you're not meant to fed everybody. And we, and, and, and why I say that is, is we do an above average preferred clientele. So this is our agency, right? But I also think that a lot of Safeco agents, they like Safeco because of their strength. Um, you guys are invested as agents in the fact that you have a 10 person staff that does nothing but try to help us grow. You will try to train our, our, our marketers for us. You have producer schools to say, Hey, give them to us when they become new with a little bit of upfront work or money investment, we're going to teach them this stuff. Most carriers aren't doing that. So maybe some of these others have to reaffirm to me. But I I just challenge to say that I think agents, before they become partners with you and as they become partners, if it's not working and you have to challenge for that every day, I think rate is one thing. Yeah, you got to be competitive. But I also think that so many agents compete on price. They'll yell at you and call and say, well, you're not you're not competitive with houses over 300,000 with no basements. Well, I mean, yeah, Safeco wants to know that, but that doesn't mean that you have to compete for my business every day. I'm saying it is a good point that, that I think true partners understand when the road gets bumpy. Yeah. Yes. And on that point, I totally agree. But I, but I, <laughs> Having run a business where if one of my guys who went out and did a job didn't do it as good as I promised when I was out there knocking on doors trying to get opportunities to go in and prove what we can do, you know, I lose the business, right? So, so, true. so I, true. if true. if I don't handle a claim right for you, if if my underwriter who if I if I end up having to change underwriter, somebody retires, fields get switched, and you don't have the same connection, we've got some work to do. If if uh, if my rates gotcha. are tough, I mean, I'm trying to earn your business every day because I want my unfair share, and if I want my unfair share, my goodness, you're going to have to really do something different to go get it, right? Because I'm I'm competing in some offices with an average of seven, but in others, as many as 40 different carriers. So anyway, that, that's the thought process. I know. I, I, I So you want your unfair share. Yeah. I love that. I love that, Chuck. I love that. No, that makes total sense. I've really never exactly heard that said, so I like that. All right, let's go on to the yeah. second thing that I think that you said, which was very interesting, is I think a lot of times this, this is a very big pitfall, is that a lot of times the agent will say, he or she will be like, I, I just don't have the time to do it anymore, or I'm too busy. And you're right, that does trigger into, okay, somebody else needs to be happening. But what I see a lot is the agent will hire some help and then instead of continuing to work like he or she did before, now they only work half as hard because they realize that they've got somebody else doing the work. And I think they see it as an opportunity to have more free time rather than to have more opportunity to sell and, and to grow your business. D- d- would you agree with that? There's a wide spectrum. This is this is maybe a bell, bell curve kind of a question. I would I would say what I see that might be an, an initial reaction from many, but I don't think it's a long-term reaction from many. It's like, 
my friend Todd Payne in in uh, San Diego who has his story of Love 18 Todd. years as a single person owner operator of an agency and after some number of years got chained to the desk the first time Todd hired somebody he tripled the volume going from 10 to 30,000 a month or something like that because he had so much business wow. that he hadn't been able to cross sell and so many opportunities he just couldn't get to to you know being chained to the desk from so much of the service work that that's not a gentleman who was taking time off um, or, or or even after hiring his second they jumped to 40,000 they still don't have free time it's it's um so so but but I think that's that's natural. So so here's my deal when whenever I when I whenever I gosh darn it whenever I hired another truck in my business each time I hired a truck I took a day off of doing the physical work and had a day to sell. So there was nobody happier than me in the world when I hired my fifth truck and I didn't ever have to do that work anymore. But but five days yeah. a week, I was now out selling uh, and marketing to try and grow mm-hmm. my business. So I, I think it, that, you know, I, I began, I, I got to shift from the producer mindset to the CEO mindset. What I see happen mm-hmm. is people are hiring and they, they don't start their shift into the CEO mindset. So they might hire a producer or two producers, but they're still the lead salesperson mm-hmm. in the office. They're not yes. investing in the culture. They're not investing in the training. They're not continuing to recruit. And so they think, oh, great, I'm a three-person office with three great salespeople. Here we go. Let's ramp up the business. And then somebody leaves, and they got three people worth of work for two people and no time to hire anybody. So you've got to be mm-hmm. recruiting all the time. Uh, and, and then Love you get that. to the thought process of hiring a marketer. In mm-hmm. our industry, when it comes to producers, approximately 46% of the high growth agencies are hiring producers. But when you look at having a marketer on staff, 56% of the high growth agencies have someone on staff handling marketing duties for them. It could be the principal, it could be that they're shifting out of a producer mindset. But in many mm-hmm. cases, it's either a it's a it's normally a somebody doing it part time. Very infrequently is it somebody that adds marketing to their production work or to their service work. Usually, it is somebody that that uh, that is exclusively doing the marketing. So that's good figures to know. I yeah. like that. Yeah. So so that's where the multiplication is. And but every time you're hiring, you've got to get closer to that CEO mindset to earn the freedom you were thinking about when you first got into business. Did you hear that virtual intelligence and on-hand VAs actually merged? That's right. I was talking to Michael Cruz and checking out what he has there with his Colombian workers. And I said to him, dude, what's up? You realize you're not a VA, right? He said, what do you mean? I said, you're a VE. Look it up on ChatGPT. I encourage you to do that too. He's got forward-facing VEs. VEs that can answer the phone and take questions 30 days in. You say yes to Michael. I want what you have in 30 days. That's what he delivers. I said, Michael, this is unbelievable. We're strong in the front, but we're really strong in the back end. You 
provide the external VE for us. We provide the internal VE. I looked at him, I said, buddy, let's do this together. Let's, let's do this. And he looked at me and he put out his hand and like a good solid Cuban American, he said, Jason, I'm committed, let's do it. And that's what we did. We flew to Columbia, we saw his operation, and you need to see it too. Give us a little click at Virtual Intel, that's with two L's, that's Virtual, I-N-T-E-L-L.com. Go check us out, see what we're doing. High quality VEs mixed with technology, delivered right into your agency, and you don't have to do all the things that you don't like to do, like hiring, firing, recruiting, recreating, trying to find processes. Just, there's so much stuff, I can't even say it right. That's right, Virtual Intel, cast certified. Because otherwise, if you're Correct. trying to maintain your position as the lead salesperson, that producer might, you will never have the freedom that you want. I agree. I agree. Yeah. So what I say is I was just talking about this this morning with Ryan Hanley um, and him and I were talking uh, about this. And I said, Ryan, I said, as you go, what I've found to be true is that it's hard for a producer to be an owner, but it's but you can have an owner be a producer. Sure. And I think, and, and once again, we're talking a one man, two man shop, different thing, but we're talking when you start hiring mm -hmm. and you start being able to say a lot of those owners don't want to step away from that producer role. Sometimes they can't, but a lot of times they can, and they refuse to give it up because they think that they can be an owner. Where I think that's a problem is, is like you, when you got that fifth truck, uh, that first truck, Chuck, uh, you, you <laughs> did, you did, you, 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 you liked it. Cause you said you didn't all of a sudden have so much of the freedom. you liked the freedom that you had to do the things that you like to do, which was the marketing and the sales and right. doing some of the other things. And that was more of working on the business. Right. Mm -hmm. And, 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 yep. and, and, and I think a lot of times we hear agents say, well, I'm going to work on the business or you need to work in the business or that different types of thing. And they hear that, but I don't think we ever define that. Let's do that, Chuck. So I define that being that if you're an owner, your number one sole purpose is to help people and the people you're supposed to help is your employees. You're supposed to give them the technology, the workflows, the tools, the resources to be able to help write new business and retain our customers and cross sell and just create a great customer experience. <laughs> that, that, that their job is to take care of the customer and the customer's job is to pay the bills. Now, where I think that this can get, that's where I say when we're working on the business, we have to look at it as, are you actually using the technology to sell? Are you doing some of those things to help the customer directly? Because I think that's where you can say, if you're an owner, you should not necessarily be sitting there helping the customer directly. Now, if the phone rings or it's a preferred client or they ask for you, I get it. But I'm talking about literally in there prospecting and trying to run the business also as a producer. But I think as an owner, you can have the traits of an owner. You can be an owner. And then all every once in a while, you produce in certain situations. Does that seem right? Or what do you think about that? How would you define working on your business first in it? So, so, um, I, I have to, I have to take a step back, Jason, because let's remember something else it. about, about being in your own business. Some people get into their own, their own business just to be their own boss. And to some people, success yeah. is running a single person owner operator when I don't have to manage anybody else. I yeah. totally get that. The challenge for me as a company person is, I need to continue to see growth. 
I have growth goals. I have mm-hmm. to grow. So if you're going to stop at one person, bless you. Keep on rolling. Keep on trucking. Do what you want to do that makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Right? I get it. But but I need to find growth. And so sure. that's why I spend my time. That's why our company invests in my team saying, here's how we can help. So if you're so when when I define working on it rather than in it, I think everything you said is true. It just makes me nervous that that some people feel like what I'm what I'm doing is judging or or um, saying what you're doing isn't good enough. I totally true. get uh, uh, somebody saying I'm this is as far as I'm, I'm I'm all in, but this is as far as I go, and and that's okay. So let's talk about others who want to grow, but maybe can't. I mean, Jason, you've, you've attended one of our marketing mm-hmm. workshops before. And, and I know you, you hear me ask the, the, the group or our trainers now ask the group, how many of you want to grow? Every hand in yeah. the room goes up. How many of you are willing to change a few things that you're doing to achieve the growth? And, uh, you, probably get, you probably get some hands, <laughs> I mean, know. a little bit. Yeah, a few, a few. And and so we try and make it easy and we create the tools and we create the templates and we help with hiring and we we, we share job posting. Uh, we, we help with training for producers and marketers and CSRs and, and we try and make it as easy as we can. But, but still, you've got to handle yeah. the culture. Mm. Still, you have to mm. own the leadership of the agency. You know, when, when, uh, when, uh, 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 sorry, when Kelly was talking about, Hey, who, who's leading this agency when, when, when you're talking about your staff, not wanting to buy in. Right. And, and I loved her and I loved her comment about sometimes you outgrow your staff Yeah. when you, when you're trying to get to a different place, what a fantastic, uh, mindset, right. And there's a lot of people that want more opportunity. There's a lot of people in in a community that would love to join a growing, lively agency. Mm-hmm. Um, so let but here's one other thought process on the mindset of an of working on it. Sorry, on it instead of in it. Sometimes, Jason, what I see is principal who has grown through the stages of growth to hire a few people, but is still leading, especially this happens on the commercial side. Um, And I'm sorry if I offend a few people with this, but I think they have a handshake mindset. I've been able to grow shaking hands, connecting Mm one-on-one. And I want to teach you know, that's how I teach my producers to grow. You will always have slow growth. Again, no judgment. If that's what you choose, fantastic. Right. But there's a there's another way to go about it when you talk about an industry that, sure, you might be growing 5 to 7% in your commissions because that's what rate increases are doing, plus population's growing a percentage point, and, and homes and autos entering the marketplace are growing at about a 1% clip. Yeah, you're growing 7%. You should be. That's if you're standing right. still. So, so if you really want to grow, if the market share of the independent agent is the, the channel is at, at basically at zero, and most agencies, when you measure by PIF, are growing plus or minus two percent. The vast majority of all independent agencies are at plus or minus two percent of policies in force growth. 
But these leaders in the industry are growing 9 to 20% in personal lines and 19 to 30% in commercial. I'm just saying it's possible to do something different. They're not, <laughs> they're, they're not doing it on a handshake mindset. They're not doing it on growth through one-on-one, I'll get my next policy. They're learning to scale. They're reaching so many. So I, I, I just think that's, if you're going to work on it and in it, you also have to make that choice. How much do I want to grow? What am mm-hmm. I comfortable with? What what am I, uh, so. So for the listeners that don't know, um, what where are you getting these figures and how are you basing these figures? Let them know. So every year we we do a study of the fastest growing personal lines agencies with Safeco Insurance and the fastest growing commercial agencies with Liberty Mutual Insurance. And uh, we we look at what they do and we, we study the fastest growing things. So as you would expect, the things that are in the low single digits now are TV, radio, newspaper, print. Uh, all the old forms of what people used to say advertising and marketing is. And personal lines, I know I've gone into much greater detail than than this with you before, and mm-hmm. I'll go into as much detail as you want. I want to hit a few of the highlights. Please. But there's actually something else I want to talk about with trust that, that I find to be even more important, okay. believe it or not, than, than what I'm about to share with you on these numbers. So let's stick with the numbers for just a second. Client referrals, 80, uh, 98% of agencies say that is a top three method of growth. Or, or 98% of agencies say they're getting it. 85% of them say that's a top three method of growth. The number two method uh, with 43% saying it's a top three method of growth in personal lines is mortgage companies. And number three and a tie, uh, the number four one as well, both of them at 30% real estate uh, referrals and cross-selling personal lines. Wow. So you have a few others that have eclipsed 10%, which are digital advertising, uh, SEO, uh, paid search, uh, referrals from captive agents are at 13, sorry, that one, digital advertising is at 16%, referrals are at, uh, from captive agents at 13%, and then cross-selling commercial policies to get more personal lines is also at 13%. On the on the commercial side, I found it really fascinating that seven of the top nine methods of growth were all about referrals. And this is where I kind of look at that's that makes total sense to me as a former commercial underwriter and commercial territory manager and manager of territory managers that were going out and seeing so many agents on the commercial side. They're all in the handshake mentality. That's where you make your connection. That's how you um, uh, show how you're different is you're selling you as a commercial salesperson in the world of insurance. You are the differentiator. That's also true on, on the personal line side, but it's even more so, I think, on the commercial because it's a bigger account and you're looking for a greater level of trust. But 88% also say referrals uh, from clients are a top three method of grow- growth. Uh, the second one at 25% is cross-selling commercial lines accounts for other commercial lines. But then you have industry associations at 20%, mortgage companies, 19%, real estate agents, 15%, referrals from business networks, 15%. 
it's it's there this is uh, again why i believe so strongly in the future of independent agents we are a better way of selling insurance and we make a stronger connection than than anybody else can the what the the we have opened up our flank in battle if you will through believing that good service is enough so the statistics are great and they they do help people see how is it that these fastest growing agents are are getting the job done um, I don't think there's any surprises there. We, I think, what we that we know what works and and what we've what's been really consistent uh, are these top methods of growth that the branding and advertising uh, that we that we used to talk about uh, is kind of going away and it's much more where independent agents win is in the personal connection. So that leads mm-hmm. me to the other topic that I really want to touch on with you, which is trust and differentiation. Because in in my world, what I see uh, is that these agents that are growing by leaps and bounds, they're communicating in a different way. The things that they communicate are different. But what I want to share with your loyal listeners, as you call Mm -hmm. them, is Mm -hmm. uh, here here it is, Edelman, E-D-E-L-M-A-N, Edelman.com. Every year, we look at their um, trust barometer, they call it. It's a special report they do every year. They have an additional report out this year about uh, branding and marketing and how trust is perceived in the marketplace. This study on trust and branding is so it, it just crystallized things for me so much. Instead of looking at trust as in, do I trust your product? Or instead of looking at trust with the second category, which is, am I getting a good customer experience? Do I believe you're going to take care of me? There's a third category that is out there that makes so much sense in my world of what I see with agents being successful. And it's about social causes. There is a there is over an 80% trust in the buying public in product. There's over a 50% trust in customer experience. But over 50% of these people that are surveyed said, we believe that the brands we do business with should be involved in a social cause that is not benefiting their company directly. Wow. Okay. In other words, they should be caring about their local community. They should be caring about their local people. Um, And only 30% of them feel brands do this well. So I look at that and I say, okay, wow, here's another huge win for independent agencies. Because when I go across the country and I talk with agents about referral programs and Jason referral programs from the time I first spoke with you in 2014, where most of them were, you know, different states have different rules. You need to check with your own state. Some of the states don't let you even give a dime to your customer if they refer somebody, Mm -hmm. but almost every state, and again, you need to check with your state, but almost every state allows you to give something to a charity 
it can't be in some states even of the of the client's choice because that's seen as giving something in the name of or in the choice of your client and so agencies uh, all around the country have gone to giving a a gift to charity but they choose a quarterly charity but i also see them interviewing executive directors of charities and putting out stories in newsletters and e-newsletters and in social media about how do we help or come join us on this uh, fun run for the Heart Association. Come come join us in this food drive. Uh, come join us in a blanket drive for the homeless. Um, and they get, not every client comes, but those clients see what these agencies are doing. The difference is that the vast majority of agents, while they are involved in their community, they're not telling anyone about it. And so the perception from clients and prospects is they're not involved. So it's putting even more pressure on the independent agent channel Mm -hmm. to communicate the fact that they are involved. And among these high growth agencies, the quantity that are promoting the things they're doing in the community is at 63%. Wow. Wow. So most, many agencies say, I don't want to look like I'm patting myself on the back. I don't, you know, don't, don't want to be bragging about this kind of stuff. You don't do it and say, Hey, I gave a thousand dollars to a school in Haiti to rebuild after the earthquake. You're saying, Come join us and do these things. Here are the things we're doing in the community. Here are some charities we really love. Here is a favorite charity of one of our clients. If you'd like us to tell the story of your favorite charity, send us your photo working at this charity along with 200 words about your experience. You know, and so they're getting other people to tell the story and they're being seen as a community hub. But the fact is that, again, the, the majority, two-thirds of or so of these uh, high-growth agencies are promoting what they're doing in the community to let people know and asking their clients to join them. And I mean, it, it seems like that that would be a big marketing effort, and I think it could be. But I also think for the one, two, three, four-man shop, um, taking one or two charities or taking one or two events and just starting there is what you're saying, is it's not so much how yep. much you're involved or what you're involved, it's inviting them to be involved, which is allowing that trust to be, um, like you said, that third category of trust. I really, really like yep. that a lot. And, and, I, and I believe... That independent agents specifically have always been champions of their community, right? They've always been that. But like you said, they're not telling people and it's not – let me tell you this. They're not inviting people into that cause with them is what it is. And and I really, really – I really like that. And I I think that could definitely, um, I'm not going to say that's definitely true. That is a true statement. And it, and it, and it, and then, and then you go deeper to say, okay, if they're hiring producers to be successful and they're creating this type of trust, mixing that producer with that trust is only going to excel and cut the curve down greatly for that producer to be seen as, um, someone that people want to do business with. So that's, uh, that's good. Yes. That's good. Um, last thing before we cut out, I want to ask you this. Uh, according to the agent survey that you guys did, the agent future study that Safeco did, um, you guys, yes. uh, th- th- one of the things that you, that, that, uh, 
that was big. And Kelly talked and I talked about it a lot. And and then uh, Ryan Deeds, we talked about what is a um, account manager centric culture. And it, and I brought it back to the same thing because we're starting to see, and I'm even seeing it in my agency, where those producers and CSR, let me not CSR, account manager roles are starting yes. to become closer or one in the same. And it's kind of mm-hmm. like Kelly said, I mean, they used to be assistants, these CSRs and account managers. Now they're in charge of millions of dollars in premium. That's a different role. What do you say since you guys have come out with that study? Do you find that to be true? Do you see that getting um, that roles becoming more merged? Yeah, and there there was a wonderful statistic that came out. I'm not sure if it was in that report or another one in our Agent for the Future uh, studies, but that 75% of agents <clears throat> want their account managers to be able to sell more, to be able to cross-sell, mm-hmm. simply cross-sell. Mm-hmm. And so when you're loading them up with extra work and you're hesitant to hire because you're not sure you can afford it and everybody's swamped and it's way past time to hire, the, the exact people that you've given the task of cross-selling don't have time because you're loading them up with more and more work. Mm -hmm. So, but it is true that 75% of agents are, are want to trend that direction. And I think one of the ways that you're going to start to see this, especially at, it's what the producers have to decide, right? So it's kind of like my producers. I'll tell you, we do 40% new business, 30% renewal. We do large work comp accounts. And one of the things that I told my producer is, is if you ended up wanting more money because we're having to cut those costs back, now we don't have to cut those costs back, but we're going to eliminate services, right? Like we're not going to pay the $30,000 a year for our commercial lines telemarketing if you're going to be picking right. up more of that. And what's amazing is, is you're starting to see, um, which I think is a benefit, producers and agents starting to look at what they're good at, what they're not good at, and admitting sometimes that if detail work or follow-up work or touch points are not big, that's where we need to work hand-in-hand with that account manager. But here's the key. He or she's going to get some commission too. It's not fair. What we are doing today is we we are paying our producers way too much to find customers. That's what they're in charge to do. Um, well, I heard somebody say this really, and I'll, and I'll butcher this, but producers find problems to solve, but account managers solve the problems or provide solutions to the problem. It, I can't remember exactly <laughs> yeah. how it was. And it's, it's okay. Like, well, anybody can find a problem, right? And if you really, really dig deep enough, you're going to get a couple people to say yes, but how well can you manage that? How good can you be? A lot of my producers... I can't trust them on the details. I have to trust the account manager. Once we get them in the door, it's all about trusting the account manager because the producer is not good in those certain areas. And once again, personal lines, commercial lines, in some areas drastically different, in some areas not. So I was just curious about that because I think we're going to start seeing more and more of that. You may have heard me say it on Kelly's thing. I wanted to give a bigger bonus to my account manager and not the producers. And I ended up losing that. And the reason I did was because my partner, um, or my business partner, is very is actually probably better at it than me um, as running the agency. But the fact is, is he's also one thing that I think, I think Kelly said it, somebody said it. One of the reasons why it's so hard to change this mentality of producer to account manager is because most owners at one time were producers. So it's hard, it's hard for them to get out (laughs) of that mindset. You know what I mean? So I wonder how it would be if you had an account manager actually leave and start his, her, his own agency. 
I wonder how different that would be set up rather than these producers rising, rather than account managers rising to owners. I think it'd be seen differently, right? I've, and I've seen a few of those. And I think that you feel like when you walk into those kind of agencies, they're, uh, they're extremely well organized Which would, yeah. <laughs> organization that would, that would, would, would follow suit with the th- totally. thought process. I think that really, Jason, people just want opportunity. People want to know what the expectation is. People want to know, how do I win? People want to know, how do I make more money? How do I get more responsibility if I want it? How do I find opportunities to lead? And and that's mm-hmm. part of the culture. And being unclear on the culture of what is the expectation of what I expect on the amount of detail work for you to bring in, uh, that that hurts an agency and causes all kinds of confusion with both sides. So it's just about being clear and leading and taking the time to do some of the HR work and the, the set up the processes that are that are necessary to, to keep the thing flowing smoothly rather than causing the consternation and frustration that sometimes arises when you get into those kind of battles. You just need to be really clear. Chuck, you reader? Uh, yes. Yes. You read or you listen to Audible? Or do you listen to the recording or do you listen to the or read the actual book? Yeah, I generally am more of a reader. I don't I don't listen to a lot of books. Okay. Um, what's, what's, uh, what's one that you've read recently that's good or what do you read right now? I, you know, I just, I, as soon as I said that, I go, oh, he's now going to ask me for my favorite book. Uh, no, okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give you two things. Uh, first of all, the, I, no matter what I tell you to read or your listeners to read, go check out edelman.com and read these trust surveys for yourselves. Good call. That is going to be the biggest thing I could tell you to go read. And that's Edelman. Uh, spell that again. E D E L M A N. I love what they do. Okay. Well, I'm going to check that out as well because that, that sounds like good stuff. Hey, I really do appreciate uh, everything that uh, that you do for the industry and what you do for the independent insurance agent. And and you know, it's not like you work in some big ivory tower. I mean, you're going to be on the floor at IAOA next week. And I love the fact that you're out there talking with business owners and shaking their hand. And I think the fact that you were a business owner at one time just represents why that's such a big deal to you. And and you can hear it from you. And so we really, really appreciate that much because anybody who's a champion of this God's greatest given industry um, is somebody that's a friend of ours. So Chuck, thanks for your time. Absolutely. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. But hey, remember loyal listeners, this was Agents Influence Podcast where you tell me your ideas and you tell me your thoughts and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Jason Cass today with Chuck Blondino from Safeco and we both were out.